Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Deering, host of Mother Daughter Connections, and you're listening to Relationships and Revenue with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your host, John Hewlin. So honored you decided to spend some time with me today because I know that is your most precious resource. With me today, as you heard in the intro, is Dr. Michelle Deering. Dr. Deering, how are you today? I am doing totally stoked and doing well and totally stoked to be here. Well, that makes two of us very excited to have <laughs> you here on the podcast podcast with us, whether you all are listening or watching us. Glad you decided to spend some of your time with us. Now, for those of you who don't know who Dr. Michelle Deering is, now she mentioned a moment ago that she is the host of a podcast called Mother Daughter Connections, but... She is much more than that. You heard me say doctor. That's right. She is a licensed psychologist, definitely. And she has practiced some of that psychology in the world of sports psychology, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. She is an author of the book, What Mothers Never Tell Their Daughters. She is CEO and founder of Curative Connections. Did I say that right? You said it great. Yes. Perfect. And I know she has many other titles, but my suspicion is that these last two are what she holds most dear, and those are wife and mom. You got that right. That's my heart. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. All right. So take us back, Dr. Deering. Uh, would love to know kind of how you got your start in things, because what you're doing today mm -hmm. is, at least on the surface, appears to be very different than where you started, like where your schooling background comes from. So how did you get to where you are today? Oh, geez, yes. What I'm doing right now is was not on the horizon. <laughs> I was uh, going way back. Um, I was raised by a single mom who immigrated from Jamaica, and we were born, uh, I was raised in the Bronx, the Bronx, officially. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it was a typical whatever you would call a typical Jamaican household. It was speak proper English, everything proper, be on your P's and Q's and get your education because your only three choices are be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. <laughs> and so, wow. you know, I kind of was sort of like, well, all right, I guess I'll need to pick one. But in the process of me going through that, uh, I ended up going to Brown University, majored in biology mm. with ended up majoring in biology, but I started out as a biomedical engineering major because I figured I had the medical and the engineering. My mother would be pleased. <laughs> and, and then sophomore year, I hit organic chemistry and it was like, wake up call. <laughs> and so I decided, well, okay, let me figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so fast forward again, I graduate from Brown and with a biology degree and I ended up teaching high school math and science for a bit. Hmm. And then I uh, left that and landed in uh, the corporate arena where I worked in client services at a Fortune 500 
uh, insurance company, mm. moved my way up the ladder, ended up doing human resource training and development. Mm. And part of that, uh, in part of that experience, I ended up doing a lot of outreach on behalf of the company to into the uh, into the Boston community because I was up in Massachusetts at the time. And as a result, I hired interns over the summer. And one of those interns, the experiences he had as a young black man in Boston at the time, you know, just got me thinking about a lot of things and ended up having a real drawn calling to go back to school mm -hmm. for a doctorate in psychology, which then led me, after we got married, led me to New Jersey where I studied at Rutgers uh, and got my uh, doctorate in counseling psychology. And during that time, I was going through my pre- and post-doc training at the counseling center. And during that time, I was asked to be part of the senior staff as uh, an eating disorder expert. And so I got trained in working with young female athletes who had eating disorders. And that led me to then start working with athletes who were injured. And so I started doing a lot of extra training uh, and certification in getting trained in modalities of psychology and sports psychology that have to do with trauma, performance, and things of that nature. So I got board certified as a sports psychologist uh, by the American Board of Sports Psychology. And then we, I said, I had all these thoughts of, okay, my family were going to move from New Jersey to North Carolina, which I considered to be the mecca of the sports room. I came down with my marketing plan and it was like, okay, my husband and I were running Spartan races. And then I had this fluke accident, which landed me, long story short, two hip surgeries later, I'm convalescing and thinking, what do I really want to do with my life? What's really on my heart? And at the time we were living in a cul-de-sac that had a lot of moms who had young kids who were under the age of 10. And, and it got me thinking about, you know, they tell me stuff all the time when I'm out there hanging out with them in the cul-de-sac. I really want to help a lot of moms because I would notice that they would interact with their daughters differently than they would with their sons. And it started to bring up things from my past with my mom because my mom and I didn't have a great relationship when I was growing up. And I was like, mm, oh gosh, do they see what, what they're doing or not in unintentionally doing and do they realize the effect it would have and I was like how can I help them I'll write a book hence what <laughs> what mothers never tell their daughters is my baby that came out during that time I wrote it in six months but I poured in the 20 plus years of doing clinical work into the book but it's not a clinical book it's a book that's intended to um, give moms tools to start the conversations that are difficult to have with their daughters uh, and walk them through the different transitions that their daughters will be going through. Mm -hmm. And so it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a book where if you, you and I went to uh, Starbucks and we're just having coffee and we're just chatting, it's that kind of a book, very conversational. But it looks at it from my experience as a daughter, my experience as a mom of twin daughters who are now young adults. And then I put on my clinical hat every once in a while to kind of give commentary on what's going on. And so that's, that's what led me to really just start, okay, it's like, oh, wow, people are writing me and telling me how the book has been impactful. Let me try to do this more. And that's where it birthed the, I'm, a, I'm not just a licensed psychologist or board certified sports psychologist, but I'm also a mother-daughter relationship personal trainer. And that's what I've been doing for the last um, four years in terms of the focus of my work. 
Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, I need to ask this question. Yeah, it's something ba- based upon what you just said. It kind of prompted me to think this because for those who listen and or watch the podcast, you know that one of the things that I do is I am a coach. I do several different types of coaching. I do relationship coaching for men and I have different types of business coaching that I do. Mm-hmm. First of all, it, this is a two-part question. First part is, what is your definition of coaching? My definition of coaching. My definition of coaching, well, first off, I, I don't necessarily feel qualified to answer that fully only because that's not my training. And my understanding of the coaching industry as an outsider looking in mm-hmm. is that um, it's kind of, um, you have to really kind of look to see what a person's training and background is in terms of uh, their expertise. And a lot of times, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, um, it's experiential based mm-hmm. um, unless the person happens to have a specific degree in something. That's my general understanding. Um, I think what I offer in terms of the mother-daughter relationship personal training Mm -hmm. is that one could call it a type of consultation slash coaching relationship, but I'm doing it being informed Mm training-wise on the principles that I learned in my doctoral program and that I've been practicing for 20 years. So that's the difference as, as far as I see it. Um, it's, and you know, quite frankly, just to be honest, cause I, I kind of like call it like I see it. I think the world sometimes gets, uh, into what I call the fiefdom mentality where you have a body of professionals who are doing one thing and you have another body of professionals who are doing another thing. And they think that they are the only ones who can meet the needs of people. <laughs> and my whole thing is there are so many people you can put in whatever adjective you want for that. You have so many people in the world that, that the pie is big enough for everybody. And so my whole thing is, as long as a person is, is ethically doing what it is that they're doing, that they recognize where their expertise begins and ends and mm-hmm. um, knows when to do a referral yes. for whatever it is that's presented in front of them, that is very key and important to me. That's the way I, that's the way I roll in terms of being able to put my head on the pillow peacefully at night. For sure. You know, a yeah. uh, couple things came up. First one related to coaching. Mm-hmm. I'm very much in agreement with you, Dr. Daring, and that is that when it comes to coaching, there's no way that I as a coach could be for everybody. It's not possible. Right. But I like to view coaching like it's a track relay race Ah. the person being coached is the baton the persons running are the coaches so each of us as coaches has the baton has the client for a short while and then we hand off to the next coach to take the person on the next leg of their journey right oh i love that now please use it (laughs) <laughs> I will. <laughs> Thank you. With your permission. I will. Absolutely. So, yes. which leads into my second question, and that is, how would you differentiate coaching from counseling? Okay. So, um, without getting to the whole treatise on 
industries that are regulated and not regulated through licensure. Yes. Things like with that, with, so it's, I said, my, so my disclaimer is not counting that. Yes. The difference is, um, and actually I'll do you one more, okay. the difference between coaching, counseling, and therapy. Oh, okay. Co- that's interesting. Co- All right. Co- coaching, it, well, let me work from the therapy part. Well, I'll work from the coaching part. Coaching is um, where, as you said, someone has the baton. You have, um, the, per- you have the person in your hand as the baton. Mm-hmm. You've given them some skills, very directive, um, very uh, 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 action-oriented in, 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 in your interactions. Counseling would be, okay, now we're going to look at what it is that's been going on and we're going to give you opinions, facts, um, action, um, action plans, things of that nature, where we may or may not have the training to go deeper. Therapy is where you're actually looking at roots of things, mm-hmm. kind of uh, just digging deeper. Um, to then bring the person to the point where they're able to take action on the things that you're mm-hmm. observing and they're realizing uh, and connecting, making connections with. Okay. So that's, 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 how I, that's how I see it, like in the general sense. And again, my disclaimer is that I'm not, I don't purport to put myself there out there as a coach. Um, right. So that's not my... I appreciate you saying that. Uh, Mm -hmm. My my simplified way of telling it to people is this because I I have people ask me because they try and go a little they want to go deeper with me as a coach sometimes. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not a therapist. Therapist. Very simply stated, they help you deal with stuff from the past. As a coach, I don't do that. I deal with things presently Mm -hmm. and where you say you want to go. Many times that's not where we end up going because they discover along the way where they say they wanted to go is not where they need to go. Right. That happens a lot. Right. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I hear you on that. And in the point where it's, um, you know, looking at the past, there are different modes of therapy. Mm-hmm. So there are those that are very present oriented in their therapy approach, but they're doing it with information from the past to inform that present. Uh, and it's that, I guess it's, it's sort of like doing a steeplechase. You're going to run over some, <laughs> so getting some water, get a little messy and keep going, keep them going. For sure. For sure. Okay. Right. Uh, folks wasn't planning on going this direction with Dr. Gearing at all, but glad that we did that. Oh yes. Me. Lot. All right. So tell us a little bit more about this First of all, let's talk about your podcast, the, mm-hmm. the Mother Daughter Connections. What yeah. was the reason for starting that? I mean, because you did that come out about the same time as the book? Which was first? Which was second? No, the book came out first. It came out in 2018. Okay. And um, then somewhere around, uh, I kind of, I think you and I both know Mike Kim, right? Yes. And so I remember Mike, I, Mike said to me in passing, it's like, I, it was like, and then bam, it's Fred right there. <laughs> and I was having a conversation with him and he said, you know, you really need to do a podcast. And I had had that on my five-year plan. So he said that to me in like, like early 2019. And I was just like, that's on my five-year plan, not now. And then, <laughs> and then I got, and then I, I got really sick 
didn't know that it was COVID. It was before COVID was named COVID in the media. But I was out for five weeks. Then I hear on the news COVID. And then, um, and then, you know, people are home. We're all quarantined. And I just on Facebook just kept, you know, thinking and hearing moms just really agonizing over what was going on with the kids being home prematurely. And, um, and I wanted to have some way to have them have a place that was safe where they could either ha- have conversation and talk. So I started a Tuesday tea time where I would just show up regularly at a certain time every day. I did that for three months, all through the summer and whatnot. And um, out of that was what got me started in seeing, oh, I could do, I could do a podcast regularly. Mm-hmm. And so that's how the podcast started. And it's intended to be a, 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 a platform where moms can take that space. Cause I'm always talking about moms needing to pause to mm-hmm. consider what's going on with themselves and their behavior, but in a way that was non-judgmental, that was no, not guilt inducing. And so that the whole point of the podcast is to educate, equip, and encourage moms in their motherhood journey. And so that's what started. And it's the podcast started out called, being called Mom Stops Here. And then I changed it in 2020 um, to be uh, Mother Daughter Connections. Sorry, in 2021. What year are we in? 2021? 2021. Jeez, in 2021 is when I made this switch. Time just flies. It does. It does. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's when the podcast came out and that's mm-hmm. when you serve with the podcast. Yes. Though I have guys who do listen. Oh, oh I trust me. I understand. I mean, this particular <laughs> podcast, my target audience is men, but over half of my audience is women. Yes. Well, and we I need each other. We need each we, other. Absolutely. And I, one of the reasons, and I've actually had a few ladies send me messages telling me this, they like what I have to say. They think the guests I have on are interesting, but the main reason they listen is to try and understand men better mm, yes. because we are so different. Yes, we are. Men and women are so different. And it is my long held belief that we were created differently mm-hmm. on purpose and mm-hmm. that it's a good thing. Yes. Different. Preach it to the fire here. <laughs> it's, when relationships are done right, when they're done well, we are interdependent. We need each other. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I I'm, 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 no, yeah, I'm deeper there, but <laughs> no, 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 you go, you go right ahead because I, I totally agree. I'm the first one to say, I've said it on my podcast. It's like, you know, And for guys out there who are listening, who are supportive of the special women in their lives, because because the thing is, moms, even though I'm focused on mothers and daughters, Mm -hmm. you know, those daughters, if they choose to become mothers, are going to be raising tomorrow's daughters and sons and how they interact with their sons is equally as important for future generations in terms of uh, relating man to woman. Yep. Oh, for Mm -hmm. sure. I mean. You know, as much as you hear people talk about daughters tend to marry men that are like their dads, (laughs) well, sons tend to marry women that are like their moms. (laughs) So, you know, if you've been a great mom, then you're going to set your son up well to marry. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't, I don't know. And, and, and I, and I hear that. And one of the things that I'm a firm believer of is that it's important. At least I see my calling, my role is to hold the hope 
because I believe that healthy mother-daughter relationships are possible no matter where you're in that mm. whole cycle of things. Yes. The, 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 the point of change starts now, mm. should you choose to, because you always have a choice. And even if you um, make what we can, one could deem mistakes, that mistake or um, shortcoming is the very thing that can be a point of new, a new kind of connection with your daughter so that she can see you moving and learning through it. Because moms are leaders. You know, they, they say moms rule. the. I'm like, look, just moms and dads, you know, you're the leaders of your home. But moms need to see themselves as the leaders that they are because they have held their children in utero. Yep. Now they're holding the family. We do a lot of holding and that can't <laughs> be taken for granted right. um, in terms of the, the impact that they have on their family, whether they're, you know, with a, a spouse or a significant other or even a single mom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what, one of the things that I say often when the subject of parenthood comes up and this applies to both male and female, there's a drastic difference between a mother and a mom. Big difference between those two things. Just okay. like there's a big difference between father and a dad. Okay. Help me understand. Cause I absolutely, I would never do it. Believe it or not. Okay. In, <laughs> I'm all ears. The, the, the first example, mother or father, that means biologically you had the ability to contribute to the birth of a child. And that is all that means. Mom, on the other hand, is someone who cares for, nurtures, and brings up a child. Same thing for a dad. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. to me, there's a very big difference between those two things. Okay. okay. Very big difference. I hear you. People call them semantics. To me, it's not. One is, one is just a biological fact. The other one is an active, ongoing choice. Right. Correct. Because uh, love is commitment. You know, sure. It's, it's, it's not about feelings because there are going to be many days. And actually, that's, what, that spark, that's yeah. what sparked the whole title of my book, What Mothers Never Tell Their Daughters, is because it, it happened. I didn't know it at the time. My daughters, our daughters were um, in middle school, and I'd had one of those hair-pulling moments where I was just like, frustrated with something that they weren't doing and I went to my husband and I was just like they just don't understand that they're just things I can't tell them yet I wish they would just do what I've asked them to do kind of thing yeah. <laughs> and and that that came back to my memory as I had been writing the book years later uh because there are things that you know we as moms can't tell them you know, in fullness, because everything in decency and in order with regards to their age development and all that kind of stuff and the nature of their relationship. But um, yeah, there's something to be said for moms. Um, uh, you know, you don't have to, it's, it's more than just birthing. It's about the commitment that you have on a day-to-day -day basis when you don't feel like it. Your commitment is the thing that makes you uh, continue to do the things that need to be done. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let me ask this question, Dr. Deering. Um, why should men care? Honestly, I mean, you are a mother-daughter personal trainer. Uh -huh. Me as a man, I happen to be a dad as well. But even if I wasn't a dad, uh -huh. why would that be something of interest to me? Why should I care? The, the male members of this audience, give them a reason to continue to listen. Uh 
guys, women need you, even though they may see or act like they don't. Um, that's, I'm that's, that. that, that's, that's, that's an, a woman's insider thing. And again, I don't speak for all women, but you know, the ones that I know, <laughs> um, the second reason is that in the world at large, and in particular, the world of work, you're going to encounter women who you might not understand, who may be your boss, who may be your colleague that you're going to have to work with in this ever evolving teamwork environment that the workforce is, is entering into. And even if you're an entrepreneur with the, and I'm going to call it delusion in like big quotations that you'll, okay, I'm the boss. I don't have to interact with women. Well, there may be someone that you're contracting with <laughs> who, who has women on and you're going to, you're going to encounter us. And actually, statistically speaking, women outnumber men in the United States, at least 52% women, 48% guys. Women are actually, you know, um, uh, attaining degrees, advanced degrees at a faster rate than guys. So you definitely have to to be on be aware that the female presence is something, and as you said earlier, can help guys um, be interdependent. I actually did. Um, uh, I had a Father's Day uh, Father's Day month on my hmm. podcast recently, and one of the episodes was with my BFF hubby. And I love it because he's in the corporate arena and he was saying, you know, we really need to to pay attention to how women um, move through and facilitate the work environment because they bring something to the table in terms of relationship building that guys could learn from. And as I'm sitting there listening to him say this, I was like, you go, honey, <laughs> uh, because there's something to be said for, uh, you know caring beyond the deadline that's yeah. mm -hmm. you know there's something to be said for saying the kind word or at least in the linear way in which guys feel accounting for the hiccups along the road that might have a human factor mm -hmm. involved that you know i mean guys hunter gatherer they need to go and they're very focused which i totally get and they need that softer side and women can learn from guys because guys just need to be the guys they are can learn from guys in terms of the way in which they uh sometimes compartmentalize i'm not saying to the extreme but we can sometimes compartmentalize uh but actually stay focused on certain tasks um and not get carried away by the essence of human interactions so we all have something to learn from each other but definitely guys need to recognize that the daughters that they have okay, and or the special women in their lives, they are encountering a certain arc of a relationship with their mom that's going to affect you mm -hmm. depending on how they're going through that arc. And my work as a mother-daughter relationship personal trainer is to help women through that with their own daughters uh, so that they understand what's going on and, and can make adjustments that are informed adjustments. Gotcha. Now, do you do that, the, the personal training part of that? Mm -hmm. Do you do that one-on-one -on -one with the moms? Are the daughters involved in that process? Do you do it in a group setting or some version of all those? Yeah, I actually do it both one-on-one -on -one with the moms, but I also do it with the mom and the daughter, depending on how old the daughter is. Because 
um, my clinical experience, okay, even though I'm not doing clinical work with them, even though my clinical experience is with um, late adolescents and up, mm -hmm. if the mother has a daughter who is younger than that, then I'm usually just working with the mom oh. individually. Um, but if they have a daughter who's late adolescents and up, then I'll work with both of them. Okay. And I also work with the seasoned moms, mm -hmm. the ones who are, have much wisdom, but are having difficulty with their adult daughters. I also work with those in pairs too. Okay. Yeah. I would imagine the challenges for those are much yes. different than the ones, yes. the adolescent girls. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, they, they are different in that, um, a lot of times the moms with the adolescent girls, they're, the moms are reliving things or fearful of things that may or may not happen with their daughters mm -hmm. for whatever reason, or it's bringing up issues that are unresolved from their own mom. Mm -hmm. And then the seasoned moms are really dealing with loads and loads of guilt and remorse, uh, yeah. longing, and, 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 and they're trying to find a way back to meaning uh, given the stage of life that they're in. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Both of those break my heart, but I mm. hold hope and I've seen the changes happen with moms and daughters in that regard. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. well, let me ask you this, uh, relating again back to men. Mm -hmm. So let's say that we have um, some guys who are like, okay, I'm starting to understand a little bit about what Dr. Deering is saying. I'm seeing, I'm seeing that in the life of like, my wife and my daughter together and that sort of thing. And so they're coming to you now and they're saying, okay, Dr. Deering, what you're doing is great. How can I, as the husband, as the dad, or just a concerned guy with women in my life, uh -huh. how can I undergird? How can I help support what needs to be happening there? That's really key. And as a caveat, I actually do work with dads too around this issue. So okay. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be the way that you can support either your wife and or daughter or the special women in your life um, around this is really be mindful of the messages that you send to them mm -hmm. regarding their safety, their security, and something I call their satiety. With regards to their safety, it's about really just honing in on um, how you're treating them. Do they feel safe in your presence? Do they not? What can you do to facilitate them feeling safe? Mm -hmm. Then with regards to security, it has to do with how present are you? Are you sporadically involved? Are you, you know, the come home from work, you're, you know, old fashioned, you know, flick the magazine in front of your face or, you know, in these days you're, you're on your, your phone, you know, until ad infinitum into the wee hours. Um, so how present are you? And then with regards to satiety, it has to do with really just validating and affirming them in ways that speak, you know, I think folks have heard the, the, the adage, you know, their love language. So, you know, if you know your daughter, and I'm just going to give you an example, we have twin daughters, um, and, um, my husband's very hands-on in that, uh, you know, they're very different. One's love language has to do with companionship. And the other one's love language has to do with um, words of affirmation. The one who is the companionship one, she's, my, she, she's getting more vocal now, but she was my quiet child back then. Oh. And so, but, and would get absorbed in books. 
You know, that was her world. So what my husband would do is he would just, when he would see her in a section of the room reading a book, after he was done with his stuff, he would just grab his book and all he would do is sit in the same room and they would read, sitting in different chairs. And just, but that became their thing after a while. And she would periodically lift her head up from the book and tell him things that neither of us knew about, (laughs) you know, but for her over the years, that has become one of the things that they share together. Mm. So that's just an example. Um, But it's going to be really important for you to validate and and affirm them in in whatever way is their love language. Gotcha. Okay. Um, And then, whoops. And then with regards to the wife, your wife or significant spouse or significant other, um, it's going to be important for you to be patient with her as she's, as her emotions or feelings or expressions are going, you know, calm one minute, then, or, you know, feeling kind of down. If there's a way for you to get, this is the other thing, guys, they don't necessarily talk about this stuff a lot, but if, if you can find some steady place or a buddy that you can just have as a sounding board, but then when you're in the presence of your wife, really just be that steady presence for her. Uh, where you're communicating that you accept her, saying things like, um, oh, I can see how that would make you feel that way. Uh-huh. Or are oh, you feeling X? If you as a husband or, you know, guy out there who's listening and you don't have the feeling words, then grab a thesaurus and start looking at, you know, what those feeling words are so that you can test them out and see where that resonates with this female in your life. Because when you do that, she'll feel heard. She'll feel secure. She'll feel safer. She'll feel like you're validating her. So that's going to be really key. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, one of the things that I do, Dr. Deering, when Mm -hmm. I work with men, I talk to them often about their most significant relationships, which is my belief is that when your most significant relationships are healthy and operating as they should be, then you can be great in business. Mm-hmm. but very rarely will you be great in business and then turn around and be great in those personal relationships. Usually it doesn't work that way. Right. One influences the other much more than the other direction. Yes. And so when I'm talking to them about this, I often get asked questions like, you know, hey, my girlfriend or hey, my wife is saying this, that, and the other. We're not connecting. She doesn't understand what's going on with me. She doesn't feel like we're, we're gelling. And of course, you know, I ask a few very basic questions from the beginning, already knowing ahead of time, I don't need to ask the questions because I already know what's going on or more specifically what's not going on. And I just say, look, what she's dying for is a connection with you. Yes. And that starts with you sharing what's going on with you on the inside. We're talking about feelings and emotions. And of course, (laughs) you know, immediately a wall goes up and I'm getting pushback all the time. And it's like, you know, you know, John, you don't understand. I don't talk about that kind of stuff. Just, I'm a guy. It's, it's not a, it's not for me. It's not a guy thing. And I just tell him, it's like, hold on. If this was your job Mm. and your boss or your client came to you and said, look, we are starting to do this thing and it's going to require training. I love it. To do it. Mm -hmm. You don't get the training 
you're fired. <laughs> it's that simple. Love it. What do you do? I get the training. Well, guess what? Right. This is a new skill set for you. That's all it is. It's a new skill set that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple when I put it in those terms. I realize it's not that simple, but Correct. Um, but I also, what I do is I take men through a process because I know it feels really weird. And I tell them ahead of time, it's like, look, when you first start doing this, because remember, when you share that stuff, that is the oxygen for her relationship to you. She needs it to breathe, to exist. That's how important it is. So I try and make sure they understand how important it is. Mm-hmm. And once they know how important it is, it's like, look, I'm going to help you. I give them an exercise to do. It's a journaling exercise and it takes a year. Of course, they always freak out when I say it takes <laughs> And I tell them it takes a year because it needs to sink deep inside of you. I said, I've been doing it so long. I don't have to write it out anymore. I, I process it mentally, but I had to at first. I said, so we start with things like this. Dr. Deering would say, you're going to write out today. I feel, and you don't use words like good, great, or okay, because they aren't specific enough. So if it were me and I were saying it for myself, I would say today, I feel excited. Then you say, why today? I feel excited. Because I knew I was going to be interviewing Dr. Deering for the podcast. Immediately after that, having them write down the first time I remember feeling, in this case, excited, was when I was four years old and we were moving from our first house to our first big house. Of course, when you're four, right, everything's getting <laughs> This one was bigger. You know, it's like right. a three-story house kind of thing that we were moving into. And I got to help carry some boxes. Mm-hmm. So what that's telling the guy is I have felt something other than I'm mad, I'm hungry, I'm tired. And this isn't the first time I felt it. So that's the beginning part. Next part I have them go into is they write down one thing they've done well for the day. Now there is an out. The out is this. If they can't think of anything else, now they have to have done it. But they can write down they brushed their teeth well. Uh Now I know that sounds ridiculous. But to be honest with you, Dr. Deering, when I first started doing this exercise was just prior to my divorce Mm. and I was in such a bad place. The first six months I did this exercise, that was the only thing I wrote down that I did well for the day. Mm. The only thing. And I'm not telling people that for them to feel sorry for me, because trust me, there's nothing to feel sorry about. Much of my issues related to my marriage were my own doing. Not completely mine, but Mm -hmm. plenty of it was mine. Mm -hmm. So we're writing that down. One thing we've done well for the day. Now, depending upon the audience, if it is a faith-based audience, I will tell them next to go to the book of Psalms, read a Psalm for the day, and anything that jumps out of that particular chapter, write it down. Doesn't even have to make sense to you. It just somehow piques your interest. You write it down. If it's a non-faith-based audience, I will say, choose your favorite book of inspiration read a chapter in that book and do the same thing. Anything that jumps off the page at you from that chapter, write it down. Mm-hmm. And the way to wrap it up is faith-based audience. I have them write out a prayer for the day. Mm-hmm. Non-faith-based, I have them write out a sentence or two that is inspiring to them in some mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. It's a daily routine that I have men go through to try and help them work on that, to get better at it. Because it's not just about identifying what's going on inside of us as men, but it's also when these feelings that come to us that we're not expecting, it's like, wait, 
I expect to feel a certain way in this situation, and now I'm feeling something different. What is it? And then why am I feeling that way? What do I do with it now? Right. That's a little more advanced, but yeah. Right. That's right. some of the stuff that I do with men to help them get to the point where they're able to do the kinds of things you're talking about. And that is to provide that undergirding because yeah, you can be supportive as an uninformed man, but it's about this deep. Wouldn't it be great to be able to really give those women who mean so much in your life, the kind of support they deserve to have, because I'm not going to call them an enlightened man. I'm just going to say you're an informed man. Now, you know more of what's going on, so you have more to offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and, 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 and I hear you. And as you were talking, I'm thinking about, again, I don't know if this is a diverging from what you were saying, but the thought that came to me was uh, a client of mine who, you know, single mom with a son. And just in working with her, it translated into her being able to provide her son with the space where there's no father in the house mm. and, and yet have that young lad develop a language around his feelings. Mm. So there's a trickle effect. You asked me, you know, earlier. So it's neat to see how you're almost, uh, for lack of a better word, almost reparenting them in, in, <laughs> at, at, at the later stages in, in their life. And I'm working on helping the moms <laughs> when they have them earlier. So we're getting it both, at, both, at both, both ends of the spectrum, well, that's, which is cool. That's right. Which is well, cool. And honestly, the whole reason we're having to do this is because as boys, we are fed lies. We are told things like boys don't cry. Right. And that somehow feelings are not a part of the male domain. It's garbage. Right. I, I would, it's a little bold of me to say this, <laughs> but I've never been one to shy away from that. So I'll <laughs> go ahead and say it. I'm not saying that men have more feelings than women. What I'm saying is that I believe that men feel things very deeply, very passionately, but we can only do it one feeling, one emotion at a time. Hmm. That's how we're wired up. Now, if a situation comes up where there's a competing emotion, the one we're in the middle of, we will stop and move on to that one. That's the Not compartmentalization. That right, right. But that's how we do it. Mm -hmm. And so we know how to feel things. It's just we've been told that it's not right for us to do that. We've been sold a bill of goods. And I think that there's, there's something to be said for women understanding that. Because remember how you said we're inter interdependent. So there's a way in which women need to, I mean, guys need to be, well, <laughs> I'm going to be bold here. It's like <laughs> guys, guys need to be the guys that they are. They need to be open to the input of a female. And again, that comes down to his relationship with his mom. And <laughs> quite frankly, he's the first example of femaleness to him. So, yes. you know, women have to, to, to um, allow and understand, allow themselves to understand that, that that's what guys are dealing with. It's not that they don't feel or they don't have feelings. They just have not been, whether it's taught, trained, given permission to, 
given a space, a safe space to, <laughs> yeah. Oh, get me talking on safety, safe space <laughs> for, for them to actually have those feelings. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's, 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 um, you know, research shows that, the, and, and it's, it bears out in research that, uh, you know, guys, because of the way they're, they're made up, they're very parallel in their relationships where it's like, you know, you see guys doing activities together in parallel. And it's through that parallel relationship that they then interact and may share some things. Mm -hmm. Women are more face-to-face. -face. Yeah. We have to see, et cetera. So each one is neither good nor bad. They're just different. Mm -hmm. But they're there, as you said earlier, to complement each other because both, is need both are needed. For sure. For sure. Yes. I, I think men have every bit as much to learn from women as women have to learn from men. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, case in point was what you just mentioned, that the way we interact with people. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, men Actually, just need to be near. <laughs> we just right. near people, and that's good enough for most men. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because you, you mentioned earlier, and I'm mentioning here, you know, my sports psychology background. I, I'm low sports, an athlete, whatnot, and... You know, in our house, you know, our one of our two of our requirements, if you want to put it that way, was our daughters have to learn an instrument. We don't care what it is. And they have to do a sport, some kind of organized activity. Um, they both chose sports that I would not have chosen. One, you know, did marching band, which is a sport, by the way, um, because they're marching up and down and the amount of energy they ex expel is phenomenal um and then the other hot one, uniforms that and those hot uniforms good. you know and then remembering everything and then playing and get winded and whatnot right. um and then the other daughter went into dance oh. but um the the thing is in any kind of sport endeavor there are lots of things that uh young ladies can learn from that kind of structure uh which is you know what I think guys and that structure and the rules and whatnot brings to the, what they bring to the table. And then, um, and then in terms of, uh, the daughters actually, um, bringing their femaleness aspect to that sport lends it to be one that's uh, very collaborative, uh, in nature. So again, I was just mentioning that to kind of underscore the point that, uh, we both can learn from each other and meant to be interdependent and complementary. As opposed mm. to um, whatever the opposite is of that. Okay. I'm curious. Uh, who would you say is your ideal client? My ideal client, uh, there, there are two. Okay. Uh, the one where my, my heart is right now, where I'm spending most of my time currently, is for those moms who are, you know, like in their 30s, 40s, have daughters who are just coming out of the elementary school age and are about to enter into the tweendom, teendom years, or they may be in the teen years in the throes of it. And they are, and the mom is having a hard time either adjusting to that because they're butting heads and arguing, or they are fearful of that happening. <laughs> or they're just, they're just like, oh my God, well, I just want to make sure that, 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 that we can always talk and that we can always have a close relationship. If that's their desire, then I'm here to help. 
because there are ways to actually enter into that, navigate it with less tumult and come out on the other end with the kind of relationship that you're desiring. Um, that's one camp. And then the other camp, as I alluded to very briefly earlier, those, you know, um, adult moms who hmm. have seasoned moms and they're not getting along. So, yeah. Okay. Um, this is and then the, and then, and then, and then, sorry. And then they're the dads. Cause I've had dads approach me who are sort of like, they see the bickering going on. And they're like, I don't know what to do. How do I help? That and so I, right. yeah. so I, so I, so I help them uh, through that. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, something that I do sometimes on the podcast, I don't do it always. Uh, I provide a, a moment of coaching. Okay. And so, uh, for you, I'd like to offer this, um, something that I think will be helpful to you going forward. So when you have someone ask you who your ideal client is, mm -hmm. picture that person in your mind, which I'm sure is not okay. hard to do. Right. I have. It. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's let's focus on the first group. The yes. Mm -hmm. okay. yes. Mm -hmm. yes. But rather than refer to them as a group, let's think of an individual person. Yes. You have, you have her in mind? Her name's Tracy. Yes. Okay, Tracy. Tell me more about Tracy. How old is Tracy? Uh, Tracy is 38. Okay. She uh, has two daughters, mm -hmm. uh, or at least one daughter, but two daughters, um, and they are 10. Mm-hmm. And maybe seven years old. Okay. And and she's been hearing from like her peers who have kids who are a little older. It's like, yeah, wait till they turn teens <laughs> or kind of thing. And she's looking at their absorption with social media. She's mm -hmm. sensing that one is kind of pulling away and not talking to her as much. Or she doesn't know as much as what's going on in her life as she used to. And she's scared. And she wants to do something to, 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 to not have what she sees her, her peers going through. Mm -hmm. And so she would pick up my book because it says what mothers never tell their daughters. And she'd go, wait, what, 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 is, what am I not telling my daughters that I need to be telling my daughters? And when mm -hmm. she goes through the book, she'll find out okay. the answer to that question. Okay. And is Tracy married? Yes, married. Yes. Okay. Tracy's married. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, that's an exercise I take people through often is mm -hmm. to try and narrow that person down even further, because mm -hmm. when you name your ideal client, it personifies everything. It makes it, e I think it makes it easier to remember. Yes. Make that person it, easier to remember. Like my does. ideal client is Greg. I know, I know Greg, I can't name him John because Greg is me. <laughs> right. Greg, Greg is my formerly stuck self hmm. so i know him very well hmm. as i'm sure you know tracy well yes i do yeah. yes i do uh because i remember i thought i had the 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 middle school years planned planned quote unquote <laughs> in terms of how and of how i wanted to be with my daughters and then i ended up unintentionally repeating some of the same patterns my mom had with me and things came to a head with one of my daughters. And that was a wake up moment for me that then started me on this journey to, okay, mm, I need to pause to consider what have I been doing? Look in the mirror mm -hmm. of where that, what's that all about and mm, make some changes. 
Uh, not to not to quote Michael Jackson, but it's sort of like you you want to make the if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. That's right. Right. All change begins with us. Yes. And the, and the, and the, and the beautiful thing is that even though it took about three years for my relationship with that particular daughter to improve right now, she's a young adult work. The benefits have been like Mm. phenomenal. So I just, I, yeah, I love them both. Like I give my life for them. Uh, That's fantastic. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So let me ask you this. We're getting close to wrap up time, but I've got oh, a couple geez. things okay. I want to, uh, well, trust me, we could keep talking. For- <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Time. The title of my podcast is Relationships and Revenue. So mm-hmm. obviously we spend a lot of time talking about relationships. So I'd love to know what is it that you're doing right now to improve your most significant relationships and what impact do those relationships have on your business? Yeah, well, we are uh, new empty nesters. And I say new empty nesters, I should say repeat empty nesters because when our daughters went off to college for their first year, they're juniors now, when they went off for their first year, they didn't even complete their first year because COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And they were home earlier than we thought. And it had taken my husband and me like a whole semester to kind of get our new rhythm down. Yeah, And so they were home and then one of them stayed an extra year taking classes from home mm. because of the university situation where she was going. And so we had a year of a, a young adult in the house. Mm. So now both of them are out of the house. One's in her own apartment. The other one is on another side of the globe. And I'm yeah. And so I'm my husband and I, we are having to be very intentional. So the things that I've been doing is to just ensure that one, we are scheduling time more intentionally around what kinds of different activities we're doing together or moments where we can convene and talk more because, you know, he works from home. I work from home. We could be in different parts of the house for a long period of time. And then by the time evening comes, we could both be tired unless we (laughs) intentionally (laughs) say, Hey, hun, we won't fall on the, fall asleep on the couch tonight. Let's go out and do X. Or, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we want to talk to you about this, that, or the other thing. So we, I've been really intentional in us, um, at least on my end, and he is too, because we've been married 29 years this year. So that's we kind of know <laughs> what, what to say to each other. And so that's something that we've been doing. Um, and really just uh, looking for different ways to be... Uh, maintain a respectful connection with each of my daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that is, I mean, I'm so happy for them that they are uh, engaging in their adult life with a vim, a vigor, and a, a resourcefulness that, you know, I'm just amazed by. Uh, and so I'm finding ways to be respectful of, okay, they can figure X out, but when they do c- you know, call or talk to us. It's like, okay, how are you feeling? And what, how can we be of help? Knowing full well that their response is, oh, it's okay. We got it. But we just wanted to tell you what was going on and blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's just a really neat uh, way to re-engage with them, but uh, very intentional. It, it's, the house is quiet-er. 
Oh yeah. So that's something that I'm getting getting accustomed to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. a fan of it. I got to be honest. I'm sure. <laughs> well, okay. No, I hear you. I hear you. So yeah, I'm trying to intentionally make sure that that vacuum doesn't unintentionally get filled up with busyness. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah. So I'm just figuring out that part of the quiet. I get that. Um, yeah. Wasn't planning on asking this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Sure. Do you guys have a regular date night, date day? Sort of? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's on Fridays. Uh, Fridays, we have our date night and Thursdays, we have our walks uh, at a particular park that we like. Good. Which is where I'm going after. It's today's a Thursday when we're recording. So hey. that's where I'm going after. This. All right. All right. I'd love to hear that. Love yes. to hear that. Yes. And the impact on my business is that it's very easy for the business to kind of just fill in the gaps. But it, it's I'm I'm finding that, especially this year, being new empty nesters, I'm, be, I'm having to, it takes a lot of energy to say, nope, at 530, that's it, mm-hmm. not whatever so right. yeah definitely takes energy I, I, yes <laughs> how can folks find you dr deary well they can find me uh at mother daughter connections podcast which is on all platforms uh if they are they can follow me on social media uh for moms who might be listening the women out there if you're listening to figure, <laughs> figure out your guys um they can find me uh, at Mother Daughter Connections FB. The letters FB is in Facebook. Mother Daughter Connections FB, which is a Facebook group that I have for moms who are desiring to improve their relationships with their daughters. And it's a wonderful group of ladies who recognize that no mom is an island, that we need community around this. And it's a no judgment, no guilt zone. We have um, regular monthly meetups um, and I do tips and things like that in the Facebook group and live broadcasts. So definitely uh, check that out. Okay, perfect. Oh, and if you happen to, and this goes for whether you're a guy or a mom, a dad or a mom, or a guy or a gal, uh, I have a free PDF, uh, which is a quick guide to less arguments. And even though that PDF is geared for moms who have tween or teen daughters and they're, they want to figure out how to argue less, the principles that are covered in that can be used for your marriage. Because I've had people tell me, oh, my God, it's helped. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> so you can get that at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash less arguments. Uh, and so that's something that I have for, for your listeners. Perfect. Thank you very much for offering that. Uh, oh, you're welcome. You're quite Again, welcome. folks, we'll be sure to include all of those things in the show notes so that you're aware of it. Again, so for those of you who are on a run, on the treadmill, in the car, wherever you are, please don't stop and write that down. I don't want to hear stories about <laughs> you getting injured or anyone right. else. For that <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, we've come to the time that is one of my favorite times during interviews, and that is the final four. I'm going to ask you four quick questions. You just tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Okay. And by far, okay. the most difficult one is the first one. Okay. Sure. Okay, so no problem. Hands. All right. Question number one. Why did God create Dr. Deering? To be his vessel of love. Uh, unconditional love to people who are hurting. Mm. Love that answer. Thank you. Question two, what are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Doing, listening, or reading. Um, I have been 
Hmm. Wait, that's a hard one. First one, first thing that popped into my head was I'm reading uh, a book called uh, Thou Shalt Prosper. Yeah. And it's written by uh, a rabbi. I'm not forgetting his um, Laban. Laban, right, 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 right. And that is just uh, really um, having grown up being by a single mom who was struggling to just make ends meet. It has really changed my paradigm on uh, what it means to be wealthy. Excellent. Yeah, that book by uh, by Rabbi Lapin is yes, fantastic. Perfect. It was written a long time ago, folks. If you haven't read the book, I highly recommend picking up. We'll we'll make a connection for you there uh, with Amazon to to pick right. up that book because it's excellent. I've yes. read it multiple times. Yes. All right. Question number three, and it's a multi-part question, but you'll understand why. <laughs> okay. Okay. What do you do for fun? So what do you do for you for fun, Dr. Deering? Like, what do you do with your hubby for fun? And like, what do you do with your girls for fun? Uh, for me, for fun, that would be riding my bike. Okay. Uh, yes, I like to ride my bike. Um, oh, and not drumming? Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to I was, I was, mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a drummer. Yeah, I, I, I'm a drummer. I'm a drummer. I'm a drummer. Uh, I'm oh, just holding so out. Cool. That is so cool. I think the reason why I didn't mention it was because it's like, well, no, I'm in the process of getting new cymbals. So I, I'm not going to, I haven't played it because I want new cymbals first before I get back on the kit. Mm. But in the interim, because <laughs> I'm picky about my ear, my musical ear. Um, and then, uh, but I, I like to ride my bike with my hubby for fun. Um, for us, he likes, we like to, to work out. Um, so, you know, as I said, I mentioned earlier, we used to run and because of COVID we haven't run, but used to run Spartan races. So, um, I liked working out with him. He likes working out with me. We push each other. We're competitive, but not like in an obnoxious way. It's sort of like, (laughs) you know, he'll do a certain set of sit-ups and, and I'll do a certain set and I'll get to the last one. And then I'll do one more <laughs> so then, and then he'll do one more. <laughs> and then uh, in terms of fun stuff that I do with my, my daughters, um, both with both of them, because I won't single them out with both of them. We love watching reality shows and in particular 90 day fiance. For some reason that is just, uh, that's our show. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. watch. so even though they're in different places, we'll all convene at different times it's like did you catch the episode yet did you catch kind of thing so yeah very cool all right and the final question number four what are you most grateful for oh and if Uh, you can't think of one give me your top three how's that okay and don't use your family they're the easiest things to use okay all right. So then you're oh, not. I'm already. Afraid, did it? I've already. <laughs> okay. 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 So I am. I am. What I'm very grateful for, and it's going to sound odd. Um, and again, I say, just hear me out. It's I'm grateful for the pandemic as it's happened because it's forced people to be online. That being online, I have gotten to meet so many people mm. who I would not have met. True. Just for having the, you know, being able to be on the internet with folks and I'll have Zoom meetups and the the number of really phenomenal new friends that I have, you know, like you and I meeting, it, it's just, I'm just grateful for it because it's made my life a lot fuller. Uh, so, and, and, and then, 
And then the kicker is the icing on the cake is when I find out that they have a similar passion, like how you have for guys and their mm-hmm. relationships and what, and just relationships in general. And then, wow, that those tales on my stuff too. And it's really neat. So that we're both like simultaneously in the field, just working and helping people. So I love it. I love sure. it. I'm very grateful for that. Well, the new connections. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, listen, Dr. Deering, thank you so much for your time today. I certainly appreciate it. Love the insights into you as well as insights into the female mind and in relationships in general. So, so helpful. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Uh, Listeners, viewers, thank you for taking a little bit of your time to spend with us because I know it's your most precious resource and it is not renewable and I don't take that lightly. So once again, thank you for all of you being here and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.